before the show gets started, I want to take a minute to talk to you about our new affiliate sponsor, Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web is a leader in CBD hemp products, including oils, gummies, and topicals. These products can assist you with anything from faster fitness recovery to getting a better night's sleep. They even have products for dogs. Personally, I like the gummies best, and I'm telling you, the sleep gummies have helped me improve the quality of my sleep. I take two gummies 20 minutes before bed, and it helps me unwind from a long day to get a great night's rest. I also love supporting Charlotte's Web because they are committed to unlocking opportunities for women to succeed through the Women's Bean Project. You can learn more about that project or any of their products by going to their website, charlottesweb.com. As a loyal podcast listener, you can receive 15% off of items, up to 5 max and not including bulk purchases. All you have to do is just enter the word dynamic at checkout to receive 15% off of Charlotte's Web CBD hemp products. That's charlottesweb.com with the code dynamic at checkout to get your discount. Thank you so much to Charlotte's Web for being an affiliate sponsor of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, part of the Talent 409 Leadership Academy Network. I am your host, Colin Cernelia, and thank you so much for joining us today please head over to talent409.com to learn more about how we can help your team or organization with their leadership and culture development. This podcast is available on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Plus, don't forget, you can now play this podcast on any Amazon-enabled device. Just ask Alexa, play the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Getting Dynamic Leaders with Colin Treniglia from Apple Podcasts. Before this episode begins, please consider taking a minute and leave a rating and review. Doing this really does help us grow the show and you can get featured for your review on a future episode. On to my featured conversation today where I am joined by Jason Cabinda. Jason played college football and was a captain at Penn State University. He currently plays at linebacker for the Detroit Lions in the National Football League. In this conversation, we talk about what it was like to be a part of a program during his time where they went from being under sanctions to Big Ten champions. We also talk about why they developed the Players Leader Council while he was at Penn State. And of course, we had to throw in some fun and talk about how awesome it was to play with Saquon Barkley. So let's dive right into this conversation and let's discover our talent altitude. Here is my talk with Jason Cabinda. Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today on the line, I have Jason Cabinda with me. Jason, thank you so much for joining the show. Hey, what's going on, Colin, man? I appreciate you having me on, bro. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm thrilled to have you on. I'm a big Penn Stater, went to school there myself. So this is uh, definitely a treat to have you on and get to talk some football, some life and all about your career. But before I give away all the juicy details, why don't you tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself? Well, I mean, I'm from Jersey, obviously. Uh, you know, grew up playing uh, you know, football there. Uh, my, my whole family, you know, is from Cameroon. You know, some West Africa, right below Nigeria. Um, man, I'm an interesting dude. There's a, there's a lot to know about me. I feel like uh, I'll be better off if you got me with questions, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about football to start. Uh, you ended up at Penn State playing college football at Penn State before now in the NFL. But talk to me a little bit about some of your high school experiences. Like when, when did you know that you were going to be able to play at the next level? Honestly, it wasn't until I, I got an offer. Um, I didn't know too much about, you know, the next level on college football and all that kind of stuff. I, I mean, for me, playing sports was really just all about, you know, having fun and, and playing with my friends. Um, you know, my junior year is kind of where I really had a breakout year. You know, sophomore year I played on varsity, kind of split time with a, with a senior who was on the team. And in my junior year, so it was really my first time, you know, starting full-time on offense. And I kind of, you know, exploded for like, I think I had 24, 25 touchdowns, something like that. And, you know, started having college coaches come to my basketball practice to kind of see, you know, all right, well, how does this guy move? You know, how athletic is he, et cetera. Um, I ended up getting like my first college offer. I think it was a D1AA school. I got it like in March after my junior season uh, from Colgate University, a small school in uh, New York. And kind of, you know, how guys, when you get offers, you know, then all the uh, a bunch of other schools kind of hear you got an offer <laughs> and, you know, they then offer you. It, it was kind of, it was kind of like that is how it started off, you know, in terms of getting offers. And then, you know, senior year came around, you know, by then I was committed to Syracuse. And, you know, after that, basically I got an invite to a camp over at Penn State after I committed. And I, I kind of just, I, I was just like, man, let me just go and just see, you know. You know, who knows? And at the time, obviously, they're deep in sanctions, so there's less scholarships, et cetera. Uh, I went to camp, and I had a really, really good camp. They liked me a lot. Uh, and it was like the week after that that they enlightened the scholarships from, I think they were from 15 to 21. And I literally got an offer like that next week. And now I'm like, like have this big question, like, damn, what the heck do I do, you know? <laughs> and uh, uh, it was October of my senior year. I get invited to the Michigan game, that quadruple OT crazy win, yes. the whiteout game. And after seeing that game live, bro, when I say I was sold, I mean, there was, there was nothing else to say. <laughs> was, I mean, it was, that was it. You know, I had to be a part of it. I just, I had to be. And that was probably one of the hardest decisions of my life uh, because, you know, growing up, I was always such a, you know, I was a loyal person. Uh, I was always a man of my word, I, you know, that kind of thing. Those those values were really uh, important to me. So having to, you know, make that phone call to Syracuse and tell them, hey, you know, this decision I have to make, I have to go to Penn State, oh, that was difficult for me. But I feel like that was one of my first, you know, true just being a man moments. I feel like nowadays you see so many kids having their parents calling coaches to tell them their kids are demon and all that <laughs> stuff. But, uh, yeah, I signed up at Penn State. Yeah, and that obviously speaks really well to your character. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of your leadership attributes in, in a little while. But I was at that Michigan game as well. I was in the stands, and that was certainly something that was really great, especially coming off the heels of the sanctions, as you mentioned. So you were recruited by Bill O'Brien's staff then, correct? Right, yeah. I was recruited by Billy O'B. Um, you know, I think it was New Year's that he took the job over at uh, you know, in Houston. 
And now, uh, you know, call me, tell me, you know, hey, I'm leaving, but you know, Penn State is still a place for you, this is where you belong, da da da. And then it was a long, I think it was maybe nine or eleven days, somewhere in that range, you know, between Billy O'Bee leaving and them finding a new coach. I remember just every day in our little group chat between us recruits like the commits. You know, we're just texting every day, like, man, who's gonna get hired? You know how these searches are, there's a new name that pops up every day, so <laughs> You know, we're freaking, out, we're freaking out about all the new names. It's like Al Golden, and I, I forget, Greg Schiano. I forget what the names were, were came up. But we're doing our research like crazy, and then, you know, Franklin finally gets hired, and, you know, he calls us together, and we have a weekend, you know, uh, an official visit weekend with all the commits and all the new coaches. I mean, it was, it was really a, it was, it was a hassle. I mean, it was, it was really crazy, and it's just because, as you know, signing day is February 5th, so for a coach to leave on January, it gives you a month you know, to make different visits or, you know, to check out what your other options may be, if there even are options. So it was very hectic, to be honest. Um, but luckily, just it all worked out. And yeah, and I, I, I think it's I think it's so interesting that your recruitment process, I think people think like Division One college football players that go to Penn State, for example, that this is just like an easy breezy process, like you're People are doing things for you. You're set up for life. The next step's going to be the NFL. But I mean, you just talked about how you committed to Syracuse, then you decommitted, and then your coach leaves a month before signing day, and then you have to do all this research and try to build a relationship. And and you know that you can't build a relationship with somebody in a month, but you know just have to trust that Coach Franklin was going to be the coach for you. And I mean, that that's a whirlwind of an experience. Oh, I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, it was very difficult. It was very tough. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're, you know, you're, I mean, you're freaking life, you know? And being put in that position, you know, where you don't know these guys. And you hear the crazy stories nowadays. I mean, you hear coaches taking away kids' scholarships. Or, you know, you hear maybe uh, you're maybe not a player's type of uh, – or a coach's type of player, you know, all those kinds of things. And then – you know, you got all these thoughts, so I think the way Coach Franklin handled it, the way he came in, obviously he brought over some guys from Vanderbilt with him, but he made us feel real comfortable, made us feel wanted. I mean, it was, it was a smooth transition as it possibly could have been. Sure, given the circumstances, it, it seems like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me what it was like then to go into a program that was under sanctions still at the time. And I think it was that first year that the bowl ban got lifted. And during your collegiate experience, which is not a very long time, but during your collegiate experience, you go from being with a program that's under heavy sanctions to being big 10 champions, being pretty close to making a run at the playoff that same season and uh, being yes I'm I'm on your side for that <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> but uh and then and you go to two New Year's six bowls I mean by the time you leave college Penn State is a completely transformed program so what was it like to go from one extreme to the other like that yeah, I mean, uh, a crazy amount of work, you know, putting in, you know, during those, you know, three and a half, four years, you know, during my time there between, you know, our class and the class that came before us. Um, I mean, we had a really special class. I mean, we had a class of, of personalities and character, but from a work ethic standpoint, I mean, I don't, I don't know any more hardworking guys, you know, all together overall. I mean, we really... Went at it day in and day out. You know, Coach Galt, you know, worked us. Obviously, this first two years, like you said, we're kind of iffy. You know, we're, I think we maybe went eight and six and eight and six or something like that, or seven and six, you know, just above 500, you know, mm-hmm. average 
really nothing crazy. And junior year, I mean, we knew we could be something special. I think with the junior, we started off, I think it was two and two. You know, I, I got hurt in the first game. A bunch of guys really got hurt at the beginning of the year. Carter, we're two and two coming off a bad loss against Michigan where we have like our fourth string linebacker playing. I mean, it was, it was, and a true freshman linebacker starting. I mean, it was tough. It was tough. And then, you know, we came back, had a gutsy win against Minnesota where Saquon had that, you know, that overtime run. Yes. And then, you know, a bunch of guys, you know, me, B-Bell, I think a couple of the guys came back from that Ohio State game to the next game after Minnesota. And when we won that game, that whiteout game at home, which is probably one of my favorite memories, you know, at school of all time. I mean, it was like, it was like we were validated, you know, all the work we had put in during the summers, during the winters, winter workouts, et cetera. It's like our work had been validated because that's what we were working for to be at the top. So when we won that game, I mean, the confidence level just skyrocketed. I mean, we were just, we were a different team. I actually remember at that junior year, we were a second half team a lot of those games actually, which made the games even more magical to be honest. But, um, uh, I mean, it was, it was just nuts beating Ohio state at home. And then, Going on to win, what was it, seven or eight straight to win the Big Ten Championship. Should have went in the playoffs. But, I mean, there's just so many memories and just so many things that, you know, we learned, you know, during that time. Um, it was it was crazy. I mean, Happy Valley was Happy Valley again when we won that Big Ten Championship. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, the campus just changed. And the buzz around campus, it was just different, you know. And it, and it, it made us so proud because – as you know how Penn State fans are in general, you know, they're crazy for it. Um, and you know how high the expectations are year in, year out. So to be able to go out and win the Big Ten Championship outright and put Penn State back on top, back on the map as a top ten, you know, team. I think we finished fifth my junior and senior years. But, I mean, to be able to do that, I, I mean, just absolutely incredible. Uh, and obviously, as you're seeing Penn State now, they're continuing to do what they're doing. Um, I honestly think they're, they're going to be on a championship run probably this year, to be honest. Yeah, that would uh, certainly <laughs> seem to be the way that things are trending right now. And they had a, a, a very good season last season, bounce back year. But I'm curious, you mentioned that some of the hardest working guys that you've ever been around in, in that clubhouse and with that team. What were some of the other attributes that made those teams special? I imagine being able to overcome adversity is probably one of them, but are there things that really stand out to you about, you know, you don't have to point out the individual leaders like Trace and, and Saquon, but who, what, what were some of the collective attributes that made you guys such a special group? Honestly, I think the best teams I've ever been on have been player led and not coach led. And, what I mean by that is, you know, let's say we're in the middle of practice and it's, you know, Thursday before a game and, you know, we have a mess up. Like, we were the ones calling for Coach to run it back or to replay that play before Coach was even <laughs> telling us to. You know, like, we needed to see it again. If there's something like we didn't like, we needed to see it again. Or we needed, you know, we needed to correct something. Or we were staying after practice and, and walking through stuff with each other or talking through stuff. I mean, I think what, what, what was so special about our class was how much the guys cared. The the care factor was so, so huge. We wanted to win so, so bad. And I think it just showed in so many ways, from the work ethic to the time put in, to the extra film, you know, to the, you know, guys. I think, what was our off day in college? Was it Mondays? I forget what day it was. But, I mean, Mondays were coming in, and you see guys, you know, I would go and grab some of the linebackers, and we're watching film together uh, in the linebacker room on Mondays on our day off, you know, but, 
those are the kinds of sacrifices we were willing to make in order to get to where we, you know, obviously ended up getting to. Um, so I think that's what made our, our class so special. I mean, we just cared so much. Hey everyone, Christine here from Sweat with Stods, one of this show's sponsors. The Dynamic Leaders Podcast is here to help you be a better leader, and the best leaders take care of themselves both mentally and physically. I'm here to help on the physical side by making fitness accessible to everyone. As a certified personal trainer with years of experience coaching fitness classes, I've designed programs that can be followed at home and in the gym. These are intelligently structured programs, giving you a plan to follow to help you be successful. Build strength with my Get Strong at Home program, get quick results with Hit at Home 1 or 2, or work on your health outside of fitness with my Healthy Habits program. As a listener, you can get these programs at a discounted rate by entering code DYNAMIC at checkout. That's D-Y-N-A-M-I-C at checkout. So head on over to sweatwithstods.com, that's sweat with S-T-O-D-D-S.com, to take the next step toward achieving your health and fitness goals today. I'm actually really glad that you talked about the player-led teams, because one of the things I'm curious about, I remember reading a feature on Coach Franklin and the program, and I think it was prior to the 2016 season. So tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it was prior to the 2016 season, he decided to institute a players council. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was and how that all works? Yes. Yeah, so like that was another example of, you know, those kinds of things. Um, you know, Coach Franklin did was that player council. And one of the reasons why I love, you know, Coach Franklin so much is the fact that he's a player coach, you know, and he cares about our opinions. I mean, obviously. I couldn't tell you the amount of coaches, whether they were good or bad coaches, you know, didn't really factor in the player's opinion because they had their picture of, you know, how they wanted to, how they wanted things to be. And that was just it, you know, and Coach Franklin, although he had that vision, you know, he included us in everything, included the seniors and the leaders of the team and, you know, talked to us about stuff. And I think that meant a ton to us. And I think it was important just in terms of, that trust factor between coach and players. And, you know, we may have had issues that we, you know, disagreed on. Or there may have been stuff that we need. We wanted Coach Franklin to tweak or maybe pull back on. And there, there may have been stuff that Coach Franklin demanding from us that we, you know, demand semiotic in a sense that, you know, we truly, really worked with each, with each other so well. And I think he did such a good job of making sure that those player leaders and those senior guys were like his liaison to the rest of the team. If that makes sense. You know, we were the bridge in terms of making sure that the message that he was sending to us was getting spread throughout and trickled down throughout the rest of the team. He did a really good job of that. And that was really the purpose, you know, of those player council meetings that we have on Sundays. Very cool. Now you as an individual, you're playing linebacker and for those that, aren't as familiar with the sport. The linebacker position is a lot of times compared to the quarterback position on offense and you're the leader of the defense. And you were one of the leaders for those teams that emerged in your junior and senior seasons to have so much success. And I'm curious, did you always want to be in a leadership type position? Like, did you aspire to be a leader and a captain? Not necessarily. Um, <laughs> but I know my personality has always kind of been, um, geared towards those type of roles, you know, the way I lead, the way uh, I go about my business in general has always been something that, you know, coaches have seen in me and found in me and have really, you know, liked and taken a liking to. 
So I think just from that standpoint, that's, that's probably why I ended up in those positions because I've always been a hard-nosed dude. I've always been a dude who worked his ass off. You know, I've always been a do-extra guy. I've always been a do-whatever-it-takes kind of guy. So I think just those qualities about myself are, are, are probably reasons why I ended up in those roles. But I also, you know, just had the, uh, uh, the respect of my teammates just for my work ethic and what I did during workouts and, you know, all those kinds of things, obviously the way I played. So it sounds like you were very much a leader by example, correct? Yeah. Yeah. But I obviously was never afraid to, you know, speak up and sure. you know, say what I needed to say when I needed to say it. So just in general, then when you're leading by example, it's a great way to lead. But I think there's a misconception that sometimes people think like just because they're leading by example that other people will follow suit. Sometimes you, you do need to be able to influence them in another way. Like how do you think that you were able to be such an effective leader having that type of leadership style? Like does, does that make sense what I'm asking? Honestly, the easiest way to influence those kind of guys is to have success on the field. You know, when you're out there and you're making plays, you know, guys look up to that and say, okay, what is this guy doing? And, that's making him, you know, be successful on the field. Or what is he doing extra that's allowing him to be able to do this or have this success? I think that's where it comes from first. Because I think, I mean, it's easy to be that guy who's talking and talking and saying, you know, A, B, C, and D, but ain't getting none done on the field or, you know, isn't playing or, you know, et cetera. But when you back up your talk and, you know, you have that respect of your teammates so that when you do say something, they listen. Or when you do say something, it's, it holds weight. That's what I think is uh, really important. From a leadership perspective, is there a moment that stands out where it was really difficult to be a leader? Like I think when people see leaders, they think of it as this big, glossy, awesome position. But being a leader sometimes can be very difficult and you have to make tough decisions and unpopular decisions even. Was there something throughout the course of your collegiate career or even now in your professional career that you can look back on and say, wow, that, that was a really difficult moment to be a leader? Honestly, just during a, when we have our winter workouts um, during the winters, um, those are tough. I actually remember that there was a certain point in time where, you know, we weren't that happy in terms of what the start time for winter workouts. I mean, I think we had to be all in the field and ready to go at like five. I mean, I remember having my alarm set at like four twenty. So that was that was definitely tough. And obviously, on state winters, you're you're walking to the <laughs> facility four thirty in the morning. And there's snow all over the ground. I mean, it was it was it was miserable, and it was. I'm not gonna lie. That was that was fun to do, but it, it built character. It built us as a team. It builds our mental toughness. It's the reason why we were able to fight the way we fought, you know, every game. So did you I definitely have to work out from there. Did you have to like rally up some of your teammates and <laughs> try to get yeah, them? I mean, and, and, <laughs> yeah, and when I say that, I, I, I just mean that you know, I think there are comments that get made in the locker room. You know, guys complaining, guys bitching. That those kinds of things where you know you got to shut that shit down quick. Sure. Or else, you know, you can lose. You can lose your locker room. It's easy for guys to all fall into that mindset. So that's really what I mean. Excellent. Okay, so you get to the NFL. You're an undrafted free agent with the Oakland, now the Las Vegas Raiders. And you've since moved on to the Detroit Lions. Talk to me about maybe what the biggest adjustment has been for your game and mindset to play in the NFL from college. For me, I think it's just uh, 
learning. I'm now play, this is now the second defense you know in the league that I've, I've played in. So you know I have a, a real good general idea of both three four and four three defenses. Whereas before I really only played in four three defenses before. So that was that was definitely a tough to adjust to. You know playing a three four over here in Detroit stuff, and then just um, I think kind of changing my body from an athletic standpoint into how the league is with the amount of speed, you know, you see how the league is changing now and you're just becoming so pass heavy and, you know, it's all about, it's all about the space game and that stuff. So uh, I think focusing a whole lot more on being able to cover, being able to move well in space, uh, also um, adjusting to, you know, playing a lot of special teams, you know, as you know, a lot of guys early in their careers play special teams and play special teams, you know, in their careers. And in college, you know, you don't really play special teams if you're a star or, you know, if you just don't play on offense or defense. You don't really play special teams. I think in college, I really just play kickoff return. Maybe punt early in my career. So that was an adjustment as well, you know. Taking special teams as serious as I needed to take it was definitely a lot different as well. Sure. Yeah, that's definitely got to be an adjustment <laughs> from, you know, like you said, going from starting all those games in college and then, you know, having to basically earn your way up again to – uh, the line of <laughs> the line of command there in the NFL. So, yeah. this question might make you reflect just a little bit, but yeah. how do you, how do you hope that your on field and off field performance will affect younger generations? Do you ever give any thought to that? I don't really. I mean, maybe in terms of LDU and you know the example that I set in a room, uh, but I feel like the example I set. You know, had to do more with work ethic and the way you go about your business and the way, you know, approach practice and approach walkthroughs, those kinds of things. But I think, you know, and, and obviously just from that perspective, just carrying on the legacy of LBU and, you know, leaving something, leaving the torch, you know, for the next guy. I think in terms of that, that's probably the farthest extent I really thought about that. But I mean, I, I always, you know, get DMs and stuff from like kids or like kids that are in high school or, you know, kids from Pennsylvania, you know, telling me like, hey, man, you know, you're my favorite linebacker. Or, you know, I want to be like just like you and those kinds of things. And, you know, when I hear those kind of sentiments, I mean, I think it's just kind of crazy, you know, you don't really realize how big of an impact, you know, you have on kids or you have on maybe whoever may be watching you, you know, until you get messages like that or until you, you know, really see that impact. So, I mean, that stuff's really, really important to me. I think it's huge. And you know, I mean, I'm really humbled to even be in that kind of position for kids to look at me and, and, and you know, say, I want to be just like that guy. That's, that's uh, humbling. Yeah, that's very cool. All right, Jason, I have two quick questions and then I will let you go. All right. First question. So the show is called Dynamic Leaders. Okay. And I always like to give my guests an opportunity to shout out someone who is a leader in their life or has influenced them in, in some way in their life. Do you have somebody that you'd like to give a quick shout out to? Uh, mine's actually pretty easy. It's probably the only person I can truly, really look up to in that um, aspect. That would be LeBron. I mean, just seeing the way he's gone about his business over the years from having the hype that he's had going into the league and not only delivering on expectations but going but exceeding them i mean it's just to see what he's still doing here 17 is just unbelievable to see his work ethic the way he goes about his business you know been with the same girl since like high school i mean all those kinds of things you know obviously with kids i mean just somebody i really aspire 
to be like um, and to see all the things that he's doing off the field and the impact he's having on his hometown and in Ohio and you see his dream school foundation. I mean, there's just, there's so much that LeBron does that I really truly admire and look up to. So for me, that's, that's an easy one. Yeah, that's a really great shout out. And we, we talk about LeBron a lot on this podcast because he is doing so many great things and just really is, is a good role model. All right, last thing, Jason, real quick. I have to ask you, since you got to play with Saquon Barkley, what was it like? Say's <laughs> a dog, man. I mean, I, I probably, from a talent aspect and just athlete, pure athlete, I don't know if I've uh, been around anybody uh, better, to be honest. I mean, his blend of size and speed, I mean, you look at him uh, and you look at some of the moves he does or, you know, the way he outruns some safety's angles. And, I mean, you just look at him, you're like, you just you shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> I mean, there's really no other way to um, explain that. You just shouldn't be able to. And um, to see that level of talent and to be able to grow and get better from him every single day, having to cover him and all those kinds of things. Um, and even now as we train, you know, I still go and train with him in the all season sometimes, you know, in LA and stuff. So to be able to do that and uh, get better with something like that, I mean, it's just uh, it's a blessing to uh, be able to play with somebody like that. Some dude is going to go down and well, sadly, you go down in history, one of the best backs to play this game. Uh, if I had to put money on it, I definitely would. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Jason, it's been so great to talk to you and, and I just really appreciate your time and your insight on your career. We definitely wish you the best of luck moving forward. I know you're going to continue to do great things, but thank you for taking some time to hop on the show today. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, bro.